God, beyond all praising, you've called us into this place to worship you in spirit and in truth. We're going to begin this morning in worship church with hymn number 16. We praise thee, O God, our Redeemer. We'll sing verses 1 and 3. So church, let us rise and sing together. be with you and also with you let's turn and greet one another we welcome you to Laguna Presbyterian Church on this first Sunday of Lent we're glad that you've chosen to worship here with us there's a friendship pad that's near the center aisle on each pew and we'd love to have you fill it out and let us know that you are here today whether you're a visitor or a regular and pass it down the aisle and then pass it back to the center uh, you'll see that there are a number of things happening that are in the connections that are inside of the church bulletin. One thing that I only see one person who's doing this today, is that Bob Pruitt, is wearing his blue Presbyterian Disaster Assistance t-shirt. This is the Blue Out Day in recognition across the denomination of Presbyterian, Presbyterian Disaster Preparedness. And Bob has done some of that, pro that project work, so you could talk, talk to him about what that's about. Yes? No nodding head. I'm just a little worried. Okay. <laughs> There's a spring brunch for ladies next Sunday morning. You can sign up for that today. There is no charge, but we do need you to sign up so that we can prepare enough food for you. And also, we're signing up for women's retreat. 
which is in the middle of March. The deadline for that is next weekend. It will be a wonderful retreat with a special opportunity for art with Mia Moore. Also, we have Lent small groups that are studying the book of Romans. You can see them listed here. One of them is at 10 o'clock each Sunday morning up in Hills Hall. You don't have to sign up. You can just go. Bring a Bible if you have one with you, and if not, there will be one in that room for you. Love to be able to get a little deeper study of what we're hearing in the sermons on Sunday as we go through the book of Romans. Our Vacation Bible School is beginning sign-up next weekend, and you can have priority sign-up next weekend. I don't know what that means, but I think you want to do it, whatever it is. Also, some of you have become a part of our church since we remodeled the sanctuary, and so you are not familiar with many of the things we talked about in the, as we were doing it, about why we've done some of what we've done this way. There will be a tour uh, about uh, why we remodeled as we did, a tour of the theology and design of the sanctuary next Sunday morning after the second service. And you can meet the guide who is Peg Donner right up here in the front. Also, because it is Lent, there are Lent devotionals at each door. We began handing them out Wednesday at the Ash Wednesday service. There are not very many left, but we encourage you to take one. It is a short prayer for each day in Lent. If you sponsor a child at the Tumaini Children's Home in Kenya, you can see there's an announcement there for you about a way to get a letter to the student that you sponsor. And also there is a service in celebration of the life of Jack Sherm this coming Saturday at 2 in the afternoon. Let's turn our hearts to the Lord. Triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God, it is your spirit that woos us to this place this morning to listen to your word, to open our hearts to receive the gift of heaven, the wind, the breath of the Spirit of God. We ask now that you will prepare us to worship you and that you will be honored and glorified by all that we do and say and sing. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. Join me in the responsive call to worship. Let us worship God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. We are new creations. The old is gone, the new has come. Let us worship God as Christ's ambassadors. Through us and through our worship, may we announce the good news to all. Let us worship God in spirit and in truth. Praise God, we are reconciled redeemed, and renewed. So let us stand and praise God together.
be seated as we continue in worship. Only the Spirit, church, can open our eyes to see and our ears to hear and our hearts to love like Jesus. And so we sing this prayer together. Open our eyes, Lord. Help us to see. of God's amazing love is this. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. Because we have faith in him, we dare to approach God with confidence, trusting that God will forgive our sin and cleanse us from every kind of wrong.
Lord, in this stillness, we come to you and tell you the truth about ourselves. We pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My friends, if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything is old has passed away. Behold, everything has become new. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Receive the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Amen.
first text this morning is from the Old Testament, from the words of the prophet Ezekiel. Ezekiel was the prophet of God to Israel in the 6th century B.C., and he lived at a watershed moment. He went with the people. He was carried uh, with the people into exile in Babylon, where he spoke to the people and where he stirred hope for the future of Israel. Ezekiel 37. The hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them. There were very many lying in the valley. They were very dry. He said to me, Mortal, can these bones live? I answered, O Lord God, you know. And then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will breathe to enter you. I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. I will lay sinews on you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord." So I prophesied as if I had as this, as I had been commanded. And as I prophesied, suddenly there was a noise, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. I looked, and there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, mortal, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, a vast multitude. And then he said to me, Mortal, these bones are the whole house of Israel, They say in exile, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are cut off completely. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you back to the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people. I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live. And I will place you on your own soil. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act, says the Lord. And from Romans chapter 8, verses 9 through 11, Paul speaks to the church in Rome. 
but you are not in the flesh. You are in the Spirit, since the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also through his Spirit that dwells in you. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Bible begins in Genesis 1 on the first day of creation. Over the chaos, the text says, the wind of God hovered. And the word wind, wind in Hebrew, ruach, meant breath of God, our spirit of God, our wind of God. And it was together with the word of God that everything that was created came into being. And in chapter 2, the Lord God reached down into the soil, into the dust of the earth, and he formed Adam, the first man. Beautiful, very good. And the story says that God breathed into Adam's nostrils the breath of life, and he became a living being. It was this wind, this breath of God that journeyed with Israel throughout the Old Testament, that journeyed with the people out of Egypt, across the Sinai, into the promised land, a cloud by day and fire by night. It was this breath, this Spirit of God that inspired the prophets to proclaim God's Word and to write God's Word. It was this breath of God that Ezekiel called forth in the valley of dry bones where Israel lay dead in Babylon without hope under the judgments of God because of lack of faithfulness. But a new day had come and God proved himself to be faithful and he took Ezekiel out to this valley of dry bones. Very famous story. And there he asked him, can these bones live again? It's the same sort of question you might ask a pastor. Can the church live again? Can the nation live? Can humanity live? Can we be something more than just flesh and blood? Can we be also those who are energized and empowered by the Spirit of the Creator? And Ezekiel said, you know the answer, Lord God. And the Lord said, prophesy to these bones. And he prophesied and they began to come together, the hip bone connect to the thigh bone and all of that. You know the old African-American hymn. And the body was perfectly reconstituted on the desert floor. And yet there was no life in it. And God said to the prophet, prophesy to the wind. 
And the prophet called the wind from the north and the east and the west and the south. And the winds came and they blew upon that perfectly formed body. And it was as if it was a new creation story. The breath of God energized and empowered and filled the people of Israel. And they were born anew, raised from the dead. It's one of the Old Testament beautiful stories that foreshadows the story of the resurrection of Jesus. The astounding thing of the New Testament is that the Gospel of John begins in chapter 1 by saying that in the beginning the Word of God called everything into being. Everything that there is. And in that Word, the incarnate Christ who was fully human and fully God the Word and the Spirit dwelt, and it was in the face of Christ that those first disciples saw the face of God. It was this breath and wind of God that gave Jesus authority in His teaching that healed the sick and raised the dead. It was this authority of the Spirit that forgave sins and restored lives and brought peace to troubled minds. It was the Spirit that led Jesus all the way to the cross where he hung and died for the sins of the world to reconcile humanity to God's self and us to one another. And it was in the upper room on that Easter Sunday evening that Jesus, the resurrected Lord, spoke to his disciples and said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so send I you. And he breathed upon them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. And they were filled and were being commissioned for God's continuing mission in the world in the power of the Word and the Spirit which is still the word and spirit that holds out hope and comfort of peace and justice and social righteousness and of new creation. It is this purpose that we serve. And it is directly rooted in the Bible's understanding and what the Scriptures want to teach us this morning about the presence and the power of the living God that comes to dwell in the human heart to transform us, to turn us not into not just physical beings, but spirit-animated persons who are fully human in the power of God's love. Always loved that little story in C.S. Lewis lion witch in wardrobe that after Aslan the Christ lion was killed by the wicked witch and time began to run backwards and he came alive again on the third day the first thing that lion did was to bound into the wicked witch's castle where she had stored up all the stone statues living beings that she had touched with her evil magic and turned into stone statues and there was Aslan running through the halls of this great museum 
seeing all these residents of Narnia. And as he came to each one of them, he breathed upon them. And as he breathed upon them, color began to come to the statue. The stone began to crumble. And lo and behold, there was a great awakening as the stone statues lived again. Lewis went on to say in Mere Christianity, that great exposition of the Christian faith, that we are all created with physical bodies. The great need we have is to receive a spiritual body to be filled he said the, tra- the change that would come into our lives by virtue of receiving the Spirit would be like the transformation of stone statues into real flesh and blood human persons. And he said the world in which we live is like a great sculptor's studio filled with stone statues. But there's a rumor going around the studio that the day will come when some of us will be transformed from stone to be living persons. He said, this is what the Christian faith is all about. Lewis and others stir my imagination in talking about the Spirit. It's such a mystery. I love statues. I love sculptors, whether it's done with iron, bronze, stone, whatever it is. Last May we were in in Athens and went to that great archaeological museum and went from one room to another where many of you have been to see those statues of the gods and goddesses of ancient Greece. And one of them captured my attention so much, I got out my iPhone this morning and looked at it again, a picture I'd taken all around it called the horse and his boy. I was so taken, it stirred my imagination. The horse was running at full speed with a little boy on the back. And it was so alive, it was as if in the next moment, if the spirit had been blown into that scene, they would have been real and he would have galloped through the hall of the great museum. My imagination carried me to New York City, to Manhattan, to Rockefeller Center, where the great sculptor, statue, of Atlas, the titan who held the world on his arms, on his shoulders, was raised up in 1937, 45 feet tall. Many criticized it at the time because the face looked like the face of Mussolini, the Italian dictator. And others said it was only as Mussolini imagined himself to be. And one boy hasn't wanted to be Atlas down at the beach with muscles bulging and arms and legs with a full six-pack or 12-pack or whatever they call it on the front with all the strength in the world, except in this case, Atlas was holding the heavens and the earth, and it was a weight that almost was breaking him and bringing him to his knees. 
juxtaposed. The Rockefeller Plaza is the great St. Patrick's Cathedral. And if you walk across the street to St. Patrick's Cathedral and go inside and behind the altar in that great cathedral, Gothic cathedral, you will find a small statue of the boy Jesus, about the age 10. He stands with a gentle smile on his face, his arm across his chest, and in the palm of his hand he holds the orb of the earth. So easy. Like a parable of the human condition. We as humans, we carry heavy weights on our shoulders. Bruce Larson, Presbyterian pastor, now gone to be with God, shared that on one occasion he was working in counseling with a business tycoon in New York City who was busy trying to control everyone, the business community, and to run New York City. And it was killing him. He was carrying the weight of the world on his shoulders. And he took him down and showed him the statue of Atlas under the pressure of heaven and earth. Not sure how long Atlas could stand under that weight. And he said, that's you. You're trying to run the world and control the world. You think you're a god. And then he took him over inside St. Patrick's, back to the little statue of Jesus who held the globe, the orb in his palm. He said, this is Jesus. And he is the only one who can breathe the breath of life into you and give you the energy to live as a fully human person. And you either give yourself to Jesus, who said, come unto me, all you who are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly of heart, and you will find rest or your souls. You either follow him, give yourself to him, welcome his spirit into your life, or your life is going to come down in a great crash. Another man was in St. Patrick's Cathedral on Easter Sunday. And the crowd was huge. And as they opened the front doors of that great cathedral, Atlas was framed in the very middle of it as a parable, as a reminder that this is the kind of world that we enter when we leave the churches in which we worship. We enter a world that carries heavy burdens. I don't know what burden or weight you may have carried with you this morning or what brought you to church. But you're not here by accident. And I want to point you to Jesus as a source of comfort and strength.
couple of years ago, I was riding my stationary bike in my living room, listening to Pandora and the music. One of my favorite folk singers is Judy Collins. And I heard a song that was a part of her new album called Paradise. It's been out for a couple of years ago, a couple of years now. And the, the name of that tract was The Weight of the World. And it was such a contemporary ballad that we should be able to identify with it. It's a story of a, of a young woman who had a brother named Michael, athletic success, popular in his high school, who at the year, end of his high school years joined the army and was shipped off to Iraq. And when he left, everyone was in tears. And when he wrote letters back home, they were treasured. He said, had never seen her father cry before. The army sent her brother home one cold December in a coffin covered with the American flag. And that cold, frozen morning in which the ground and the grave were frozen, we lowered my brother's body. And she sang the chorus over and over again, the weight of the world. Too heavy to carry. Oh, what has been lost? What has been missed? How tragic that we live in a world where innocent young men and women must carry the weight of the world. In a generation that entertains itself with movies like American Sniper and follows the trial in Dallas of the killer of the sniper, and watches postings of Christians being beheaded in Libya and those detentions of terrorism and the ups and downs of the economy and the troubled relationships with which we all struggle, is it too much to say that we too carry the weight of the world and what we need more than anything is for the living God to breathe upon us anew. To announce the good news that the Spirit is life. And those who wait upon the Lord shall be strengthened. They'll mount up on wings like eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. Those who wait upon the Lord, who live by the presence and the power of the inner Spirit of God that is given to each one of us when we confess that Jesus is our Lord, a Spirit that we cannot control, if I could encapsulate the power of the Spirit in my words, I would have done so a long time ago. The preacher is totally dependent 
upon speaking very human, fallible words in the faith and with the prayers of God's people that the Spirit will blow over and over again into the hearts of the people of God and the church will rise and we will be empowered to be the faithful people of God, lighthouses of gospel truth, of love, of peace, of joy, of justice. May it be so for the Spirit is life. Pray with me. Holy Spirit, breathe upon our restless souls. Lift from us the weights and burdens that we carry in our lives. Empower us to discover a power greater than ourselves that can sustain our lives and fill us with meaning and purpose Allow us to build community that is good to all people. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You heard the passage Ezekiel 37 read, proclaimed, hear it sung.
once they stood upon their feet a mighty vast army a legion now alive a resurrected army a living holy host of a people born again your dead will come alive their graves will lie abandoned and all those living in the dust will wake and shout for joy. God, breath of life, we praise you for your presence in our lives, for changing hearts, giving life, for equipping your church with the gifts of your spirit. You hold the weight of the world in your hands. And so in the turbulence of our own lives and the unsettledness of the world today, let there be new birthings of your spirit. Have mercy on planet Earth, the world you love, at one another's throats in so many ways. Come, Holy Spirit, renew the face of the Earth. We pray for the church in Egypt particularly for the loved ones of the 21 men who were martyred for their faith in you. We pray for all who serve you in places where it is dangerous to name you as Lord. Come, Holy Spirit, and renew your church. Blow your healing touch, your splendid courage, your mighty strength, your perfect peace, into all whose bodies or hearts suffer today, those who are ill, who are recovering from illness, those who face death or, or are in great distress, those who feel abandoned and betrayed by life, who've lost hope, those from whom we are estranged. Hear the names of those for whom we pray as we speak them aloud before you. and Janine Fazette, Jim McCluskey, Carl Post, Fred Sharman, June Shaw, Kathy Shoemaker, Judy Stewart. Grateful for your gifts and mindful of the communion of your people throughout history and around the world, we offer to you now these gifts, asking that you will use them and that you will use us for your purposes in this world, even as we pray for the day when your will is done on earth as in heaven, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Oh, Lord, hear us as we sing. Raise us to new life. Together, we are alive. 
Spirit is life. Jesus looked at his disciples, raised his hands, said, Peace be with you. And then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. And so we share the gift of the Spirit with one another. In the Word and Spirit of Christ, we encourage one another. And we stand together and we walk together. And the world will know that we are his disciples if we have love for one another. In life and in death, we belong to God through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the communion of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is life. Amen. Amen.